0: Chapter Thirty Seven of Somehow Good. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor, Oxford, UK. Chapter Thirty Seven of the Doctor's Cautious Reserve and Missus Fenwick's Strong Common Sense, and of a Lady at Budapest. How Harrison was only passed forgotten newspapers to Doctor Vereker, of the Octopus's Pulse how the haberdasher's bride would try on at two guineas a week, and of a pleasant walk back from the railway station. "'You never mean to say you've been in the water?' It was quite clear from the bluish fingertips of the gloveless merpussy, for at St. Sennan's sixes are not de rigueur in the morning, that she has been in and has only just come out. But Fenwick, who asked the question, "'grasped a handful of loose black hair for confirmation, and found it wet. "'Haven't I?' says the incorrigible one. "'And you should have heard the rumpus over getting a machine down.' "'She's a selfish little monkey,' her mother says, but forgivingly, too. "'She'll drown herself, and not care a penny about all the trouble she gives.' You see, Rosalind wouldn't throw her words into this callous form if she was really thinking about the mer-pussy, but just now she is too anxious about Jerry to be very particular. What has passed between him and Dr. Conrad? What does the latter know now more than she does herself? She falls back with him and allows the other two to go on in front, obviously the most natural arrangement. What has he told you, Dr. Conrad?' "'This is not unexpected, and the answer is a prepared one, "'preconcerted under pressure between the doctor and his conscience. "'I'm going to ask you, Mrs. Fenwick, to do me a very great kindness. "'Don't say yes without hearing what it is. "'To ask you to allow me to keep back all your husband says to me, "'and to take for granted that he repeats to you "'all he feels certain of himself in his own recollections.' "'He has told you more?' "'Yes, he has, but I am far from certain "'that anything he has said can be relied upon "'in his present state. "'Anyway, I should be very sorry to take upon myself "'the responsibility of repeating it.' "'He wishes you not to do so?' "'I think so. I I should say so. Do you mind?' "'I won't press you to repeat anything you wish to keep back. "'But is his mind easier? After all, that's the main point.' "'That is my impression.' much easier. He felt he was quite warranted in saying this, and I should say that if he does not himself tell you again whatever he has been saying to me, it will only show how uncertain and untrustworthy all his present recollections are. I cannot tell you how strongly I feel that the best course is to leave his mind to its own natural development. It may even be that the partial and distorted images of events such as he has been speaking of to me— I mustn't ask you what they were—yes, go on—may again become dim and disappear altogether. If they are to do so, nothing can be gained by dwelling on them now, still less by trying to verify them, and, least of all, by using them as a stimulus to further recollection. You think I had better not ask him questions? Exactly. Leave him to himself. Keep his mind on other matters—healthy occupations surrounding life— I am certain of one thing, that the effort to disinter the past is painful to him, in itself, quite independent of any painful associations in what he is endeavouring to recall. I have seen that, too, in the slight recurrences he has had while I was there. I quite agree with you about the best course to pursue. Let us have patience and wait. Of course Vereker had not the remotest conception that the less Fenwick remembered— the better his wife would be pleased. So the principal idea in his mind at that moment was, what a very sensible, as well as a handsome woman, he was talking to. It was the way in which most people catalogued Rosalind Fenwick. But her ready assent to his wishes had intensified the doctor's first item of description. A subordinate wave of his thought created an image of the girl Fenwick must have pictured to himself coming out of the railway carriage. He only repeated, let us have patience and wait, with a feeling of relief from possible further catechism. But in order to avoid showing his wish to abate inquiry, he could talk about aspects of the case that would not involve it. He could tell of analogous cases well known, or in his own practice. For instance, that of a French woman who wandered away from Amiens unconscious of her past and her identity, and somehow got to Budapest. There, having retained perfect powers of using her mother-tongue, and also speaking German fluently, she had all but got a good teachership in a school, only she had no certificate of character. With a great effort she recalled the name of a lady at Amiens she felt she could write to for one, and did so. "'Fancy her husband's amazement,' said Dr. Conrad, when on opening a letter addressed to his wife in her own handwriting he found it was an application from Fräulein schmidt or some german name asking for a testimonial he referred also to the many cases of the caprices of memory he had met with in his studies of the mal of epilepsy a subject to which he had given special attention It may have crossed his mind that his companion had fallen very thoroughly in with his views about not dissecting her husband's case overmuch for the present, but he put it down, if it did, to her strong common sense. It is rather a singular thing how very ready men are to ascribe this quality, whatever it is, to a beautiful woman, especially if she agrees with them. Nevertheless, the doctor was not very sorry when he saw that Sally and Fenwick, on in front, had caught up with— or been caught up with by a mixed party, of a sort to suspend, divert or cancel all conversation of a continuous sort. Miss Gwendolyn Arkwright and her next eldest sister had established themselves on Fenwick's shoulders, and the Julius Bradshaws had just intersected them from a side alley. The latter were on the point of extinction, going back to London by the 3.15, and everything packed but what they had on. It was a clear reprieve, till 3.15 at any rate, there could be no doubt, thought Rosalind to herself, that her husband's conversation with Vereker had made him easier in his mind than when she saw him last, just after breakfast. No doubt he was all the better, too, for the Merpussy's account of her exploit on the beach, of how she managed to overrule old Gabriel and got a machine put down, contrary to precedent, common caution and public opinion, even in the face of urgent remonstrance from her Swiss acquaintance, almost as good a swimmer as herself how she had picked out a good big selvage wave to pop in under, and when she got beyond it enjoyed all the comfort incidental to being in bed with the door locked. Because, you see, she exaggerated. However, one thing she said was quite true. There were no breakers out beyond the said selvage wave, because the wind had fallen a great deal, and seemed to have given up the idea of making any more white foam-crests for the present. But there would be more wind again in the night, said authority. It was only a half-holiday for Neptune. Sally's bracing influence was all the stronger from the fact of her complete unconsciousness of anything unusual. Her mother had said nothing to her the day before of the revival of Baron Kreutzkammer, nor had Dr. Conrad, acting under cautions, given. And all Sally knew of the wakeful night was that her mother had found Fenwick walking about unable to sleep, and had said at breakfast he might just as well have his sleep out now, to which she had agreed and had then gone away to see if the tissues, as she called them, were blown away, and had met the doctor coming to see if she was. So she was in the best of moods, as an antidote to mind cloudage, and Fenwick, under the remedy, seemed to her no more unlike himself than was to be expected, after not a wink till near daylight. The object of this prolixity is that it may be borne in mind that Sally never shared her mother's, or her undeclared lover's, knowledge of the strange mental revival caused, as seemed most probable, by the action of the Galvanic Battery on the previous day. Vereker walked back to his octopus, whom he had forsaken for an unusually long time, with his brain in a whirl at the strange revelation he had just heard. His medical experience had put him well on his guard anent one possibility that the whole thing might be delusion on Fenwick's How could such an imperfect memory record be said to prove anything without confirmation from without? His habits of thought had qualified him to keep this possibility provisionally in the background, without forgetting it. There was nothing in the mere knowledge of its existence to prevent his trying to recall all he could of the story of the disappearance of Harrison, as he read it in the newspapers a year and a half ago. There had been a great deal of talk about it at the time, and great efforts had been made to trace Harrison, but without success. The doctor lingered a little on his way, conscious that he could recall very little of the Harrison case, but too interested to be able to leave his recollections dormant until he should get substantial information. The octopus could recollect all about it, no doubt, but how to venture to apply to her, or how to sally though truly had he done so, it would have been with much less hope of a result. Neither Sally nor her mother were treasure-houses of the day's gossip as his mother was. "'We must have taken mighty little notice of what was going on in the world at the time,' so thought the doctor to himself. "'What did he actually recollect?' A paragraph headed Disappearance of a Millionaire in a hurried perusal of an evening paper as he rode to an urgent case." A repetition, several repetitions, on the newspaper posters of the name Harrison during the fortnight following, chiefly disclosing supposed discoveries of the missing man, sandwiched with other discoveries of their falsehood, clue and disappointment by turns. He could remember his own perfectly spurious interest in the case, produced by such announcements staring at him from all points of the compass, and his own preposterous contributions to talk-making about them, such as have they found that man, Harrison, yet? Knowing himself the merest impostor all the while, but feeling it dutiful to be up to date. How came no one of them all to put two and two together? A gleam of a solution was supplied to the doctor's mind when he set himself to answer the question, How should I have gone about suspecting it? How, indeed? Ordinary, everyday people— "'You's and me's can't lightly admit to our minds the idea that we have "'accidentally got mixed up with the regular public people in the newspapers. "'Have not even our innocent little announcements that we have been born "'or died or got married always had a look of having got in by accident "'or under some false pretense? "'Have we not felt inflated when a relation of ours has had a letter "'to a newspaper inserted in real print with his own name as bold as brass?' Verica was not surprised on thinking it over that he personally had missed the clue. And if he, why not others? Besides, all the Harrison talk had been superseded by some more exciting matter before it had been recognised as possible that Fenwick's memory might never come back. Just as he arrived at Mrs. Igledon's, a thought struck him. Not heavily, only a light, reminding flick, and he stopped a moment to see what it had to say. It referred to his interview with Scotland Yard, some six weeks after Fenwick's first appearance. He could recall that in the course of his interview one of the younger officials spoke in an undertone to his chief, who thereon, after consideration, turned to the doctor and said, Had not your man a Panama hat, I understood you to say so, and on receiving an affirmative reply, spoke again in an undertone to his subordinate to the effect half-caught by Vereker that Allison' that was black-felt. "'Did he say by any chance Harrison, not Alison? "'If so, might not that account for a rather forbidding "'or opposive attitude on the yard's part? "'He remembered something of fictitious claimants coming forward, "'representing themselves as Harrison, "'desperate bidders for a chance of the Klondike gold. "'They might easily have supposed this man "'and his quenched memory another of the same sort.' Evidently, if investigation was not to suffer from overgrown suspicion, only young and guileless official instinct could be trusted, plain-clothes ingenues. Dr. Conrad laughed to himself over a particularly outrageous escapade of Sally's, who, when her mother said they always sent such very young chicks of constables to Glenmoira Road in the morning, impudently ascribed them to inspectors' eggs, laid overnight." my pulse. Feel it.' His goody mother greeted the doctor with a feeble voice, from inarticulate lips and a wrist outstretched. She was being moribund to pay him for being behind-hand. He skipped all interims and said, with negligible inaccuracy, "'It's only a quarter past. Don't talk, but feel.' Her failing senses could indulge a little impatience, but it was like throwing ballast out of a balloon. She meant to be all the worse, directly. Her son felt the outstretched wrist, and was relieved to find it normal, almost abnormally normal, just before lunch. But he had to pretend. A teaspoonful of brandy in half a glass of water, clearly. He knew she hated it, but she had better swallow it down. That was right, and he would hurry Mrs. Igledon with lunch. However, Mrs. Igledon had been beforehand, having seen her good gentleman coming, and the table all laid ready, so she got the steak on, only she knew there would something happen if too much hurry, and sure enough she broke a decanter. We do not like the responsibility of punctuation in this sentence. "'I thought you had forgotten me,' quoth the revived goody to her son, assisting her to lunch. But the excellent woman said, "'Me?' as if it was the name of somebody else, and spelt M-double-E, with a compassionate moan. Rosalind was glad to see her husband in good spirits again. He was quite like himself before that unfortunate little galvanic battery upset everything. Perhaps its effect would go off, and all he had remembered of the past grow dim again. It was a puzzle, even to Rosalind herself, that her natural curiosity about all Jerry's unknown history should become as nothing in view of the unwelcome contingencies that history might disclose. It spoke well for the happiness of the status quo that she was ready to forego the satisfaction of this curiosity altogether, rather than confront its possible disturbing influences. If we can only know nothing about it, and be as we are— was the thought uppermost in her mind. It certainly was a rare piece of good luck that, owing to Sally's leaving the house before Fenwick appeared, and running away to her mad-cap swim before he could join her and the doctor, she had just avoided seeing him during the worst of his depression. Indeed, his remark that he had not slept well seemed to account for all she had seen in the morning, and in the afternoon, when the whole party minus the doctor walked over to St. Egbert's station for the honeymoon portion of it to take its departure for town, and the other three to say farewells, Fenwick was quite in his usual form. Only his wife watched for any differences, and unless it was that he gave way rather more freely than usual to the practice of walking with his arm round herself or Sally, or both, she could detect nothing. As the road they took was a quiet one, and they met scarcely a soul, no exception on the score of dignity was taken to this by rosalind and as for sally her general attitude was leave jeremiah alone he shall do as he likes letitia's mental comment was that it wasn't oxford street this time and so didn't matter i shall walk straight into papa's library said that young married lady in answer to an inquiry from sally as they fell back a little to chat i shall just walk straight in and say we've come back "'What do you suppose the Professor will say?' "'My dear, it's the merest toss-up. "'If he's got some very interesting Greek or Phoenician nonsense on hand, "'he'll let me kiss him over his shoulder and say, "'All right, I'm busy. "'If it's only the Cosmocyclopaedia work, "'which he doesn't care about, only it pays, "'he may look up and kiss me, "'or even go so far as to say, "'Well, and where's Master Julius? "'But I don't expect he'll give any active help in the collision with Mamma which is sure to come. I rather hope she won't be at home the first time. Why? Wouldn't it be better to have it over and done with? Sally always wants to clinch everything. Yes, of course, only the second time Mamma's edge will all be taken off and she'll die down. Besides, the crucial point is Paggy kissing her. It's got to be done, and it will be such a deal easier if I can get Theenie and Classy kissed first. Classy was the married sister, Clarissa. "'After all, Mamma must have got a shred of common sense somewhere, and she must know that when things can neither be cured nor endured, you have to pretend, sooner or later.' "'You bottle up when it comes to that,' said Sally philosophically. "'But I shouldn't wonder, Tishy, if you found your goody aggravating, too. She'll talk about haberdashers.' "'Oh, my dear, haberdashers are a trifle. If that was all, she might talk herself hoarse. Besides, I can stop that by the mantle department.' "'What about it? Oh, I know, though, about your being two guineas worth a week to try on. She would know you were not serious, though.' "'Would she? I'm not so sure about it myself. Not sure I'm not serious, I mean. "'Oh, Tishy, you don't mean you would go and try on at two guineas a week.' "'I really don't know, Sally dear. If I'm to have my husband's profession flung in my face at every turn, I may just as well have the advantage of it by a side-wind.' "'Think what two guineas a week means. "'A hundred and four guineas a year. "'Remember, guineas, not pounds. "'And Paggy thinks he could get it arranged for us "'to go out and dine together in the middle of the day "'at an Italian restaurant.' "'I say, what a lark!' "'Sally immediately warms up to the scheme. "'I could come too. "'Do you know, Tishy dear, "'I was just going to twit you with the negro and his spots, "'but now I won't.' "'The Julius Bradshaws must have reached home early.' as our story will later show that the anticipated collision with the dragon took place the same evening. No great matter for surprise this to anyone who has noticed the energetic impatience for immediate town event in folk just off a holiday. These two were too keen to grapple with their domestic problem to allow of delays, so after getting some dinner in a hurry at Georgiana Terrace, Bayswater, they must needs cab straight away to Ladbrook Grove Road. As for what happened when they got there? "'we shall know as much as we want of it later. "'For the present, our business lies with Fenwick and his wife, "'to watch, in sympathy with the latter, "'for the next development in the strange mental state of the former, "'and to hope with her, as it must be confessed, "'for continued quiescence, "'or, better still, for a complete return of oblivion. "'It seemed so cruelly hard to Rosalind that it might not be. "'What had she to gain by the revival of a forgotten past?' a past her own share of which she had for twenty years striven to forget. Utterly guiltless as, conceivably, she may have known herself to be, she had striven against that past as the guilty strive, with the memory of a concealed crime. And here was she, at the end of this twenty years, with all she most longed for at the beginning in her possession, mysteriously attained with a thoroughness no combination of circumstances, no patience or forbearance of her own, no self-restraint or generosity of her young husbands could possibly have brought about. Think only of what we do know of this imperfect story. Conceive that it should have been possible for the Algernon Palliser of those days to know and understand it to the full. Indulge the supposition, however strained it may be, that his so knowing it would not have placed him in a felon's dock for the prompt and righteous murder of the betrayer—we take the first convenient name—of the woman he loved. Convince yourself this could have been. Figure to yourself a happy wedded life for the couple, after Miss Sally had made her unconscious debut with the supremest indifference to her antecedents. Construct a hypothetical bliss for them at all costs, and then say if you can fill out the picture with the relation between Sally— and her putative father to be compared for a moment to the one chance has favored now for the stepfather and stepdaughter of our story our own imagination is at fault about the would have beans and might have beans in this case the only picture our mind can form of what would have followed a full grasp of all the facts by algernon palliser may be dictated or suggested by a memory of what sent mr salter of Livermore's rents, 1808, to the hospital. Rosalind knew nothing of Mr Salter, but she could remember well all Jerry's feats of strength in his youth, all the cracking of walnuts in his arm joints, and bending of kitchen pokers across his neck, and also, too well, an impotence against his own anger when provoked. It had died down now to a trifle, but she could detect the trifle still. Was such an executive to be trusted not to take the law into his own hands, to fall into the grasp of an offended legislative function later, one too dull to be able to define offence so as to avoid the condemnation, now and again, of a culprit whose technical crime has the applause of the whole human race? Had the author of all her wrongs met his death at the hands of her young husband, might not this husband of her later life, beside her now, be still serving his time at the galleys, with every compulsory sharer in his condemnation thinking him a hero. It was all so much better as it had turned out. Only could it remain so? At least nothing was wrong now, at this moment. Whatever her husband had said to Vereker in that morning walk, the present hour was a breathing space for Rosalind. The Kreutzkammer recurrence of the previous evening was losing its force for her, and there had been nothing since that she knew of. Chaotic ideas, the phrase he had used in the night, might mean anything or nothing. They came back from the railway station by what was known to them as the long short cut, in contradistinction to the short short cut. The latter, Sally said, had the courage of its opinions, while the former was a time-serving cut. Could she have influenced it at the first go-off, when it originally started from the V-shaped style your skirt stuck in behind the wheat-sheaf? It might have mustered the resolution to go straight on, instead of going off at a tangent to Gatrell's farm half a mile out of the way. Was it intimidated by a statement that trespassers would be prosecuted, nailed to an oak-tree, legible a hundred years ago, perhaps, when its nails were not rust and really held it tight? Instead of as now— merely countenancing its wish to remain from old habit. It may have been so frightened in its timid youth, but if so, surely the robust self-assertion of its straight start for Gattrills had in it something of contempt for the poor old board, coupled with its well-known intention of turning to the left and going slap through the wood the minute you or it got there. It may have even twitted that board with its apathy and respect of trespassers. Had the threat ever been carried out? The long shortcut was, according to the Aborigines, a goodish step longer than the road, geometrically. But there was some, inner sense, moral, ethical, spiritual, somehow metaphysical or superphysical, in which it was a shortcut for all that. The road was a dale farther, some did say, along of the dust. But then there was no dust now, because it was all laid. So the reason why was allowed to lapse, and the fact to take care of itself for once, helped by an illusion that a path through an undergrowth of nut-trees and an overgrowth of oak on such a lovely afternoon as this wasn't distant at all, even when you got hooked in the brambles, and by other palliative incidents, it was voted a very short cut indeed, certainly not too long for Rosalind's breathing space, and had it been even a longer short cut she would have been well contented. Every hour passed now, without a new recurrence of some bygone, was going to give her—she knew it well beforehand—a sense of greater security, and every little incident on the walk that made a change in the rhythm of event was welcome. When they paused for refreshments—ginger-beer in stone bottles at Gattrell's—and old Mrs. Gattrell, while she undid the corks, outlined the troubles of her husband's family and her own, she felt grateful for both to have kept clear of India and the colonies no memories of california or the arctic circle could arise from mrs gattrell's twin sister deborah who suffered from information internal information mind you an explanation necessary to correct an impression of overstrain to the mind in pursuit of research nor from her elder sister hannah whose neuralgic sick headaches were a martyrdom to herself but apparently a source of pride to her family of which the inflation, strange to say, was the greater, because Dr. Knox was of the opinion that they would yield to treatment and tonics, though the old lady herself was opposed to both, and said elderflower water. She was a pleasant old personage, Mrs. Gattrell, who always shone out as a beacon of robust health above a fever-stricken, paralysed, plague-spotted, debilitated and disintegrating crowd of blood relations and connections by marriage but not one of all these had ever left the soil they were born on, none of Mrs. Gatterall's people holding with foreign parts, and nothing whatever had ever taken place at St. Egbert's till the railway come, so it wasn't likely to arouse memories of the ice-fields, of the northern cold, or the tiger-hunts of the southern heat. Rosalind found herself asking of each new thing as it arose. Will this bring anything fresh to his mind, or will it pass? The wood path, the nut-tree growth all but closed over on either side, she decided was safe. It could taste of nothing but his English school boyhood, before ever she knew him. But the sudden uprush of the covey of partridges from the stubble, and their bee line for a haven in the next field, surely danger lay that way. Think what a shot he was in the old days! However, he only said, "'Poor dears, they don't know how near the thirty-first is.' and seemed to be able to know that much from the past experience, without discomfort at not knowing more. When Sally proposed fortune-telling, in connection with a bona fide gypsy woman, who looked, she said, exactly like in Lavengro, her mother's first impulse was to try and recall if she and the Jerry of old times had ever been in contact with gypsies, authentic or otherwise, and, after decision in the negative, to feel that this wanderer was more welcome than not as having a tendency to conduct his mind safely into new channels. Even the conclave of cows he had to disperse that they might get through a gate, cows that didn't mind how long they waited at it, having time on their hands, suggested the same kind of query. She was rapidly getting to look at everything from the point of view of what it was going to remind her husband of. She must struggle against the habit that was forming, or it would become insupportable. But then again, the thought would come back that every hour that passed without an alarm was another step towards a safe haven, and who could say that in a week or so things might not be at least no worse than they were before this pestilent little galvanic battery broke in upon her peace? The fact that he had spoken of new memories to Vereker and had not repeated them to her, was no additional source of uneasiness, rather, if anything, the contrary. "'for she could not entertain the idea "'that Jerry would keep back from her "'anything he could tell to Vereker. "'What had actually happened "'was necessarily inconceivable by her, "'that a recollected recollection "'of his own marriage with her "'should be interpreted by him "'as a memory of a marriage "'with some other woman unknown, "'who might for anything he knew "'be still living, "'that his inference as to the bearing of this "'on his own conduct was that he should refrain, at any cost to himself, from claiming, so to speak, his own identity, should accept the personality chance had forced upon him for her sake, should even forego the treasure of her sympathy, more precious far to him than the heavy score to his credit at the banks of New York and San Francisco, rather than dig up what needs must throw doubt on the validity of their marriage, and turn her path of life now smooth to one of stones and thorns for that was the course he had sketched out for himself, and had it only been possible for Oblivion to draw a sharp line across the slowly reviving record, and to say to memory, "'Thus far shalt thou go, and no farther,' Fenwick might have persevered in this course successfully till now, and then all our story would have been told, at least as far as Rosalind and Fenwick go, and we might say farewell to them at this moment as the cows reluctantly surrender passageway of the long short-cut, and Jerry saunters on, seemingly at ease from his own mind's unwelcome activities, with Sally on one arm, and his wife on the other, and Mrs. Grundy nowhere. But no conspiracies are possible to memory and oblivion. They are a couple that act independently, and consult nobody's convenience but their own. It may easily be that Rosalind, had she been mistress of all the facts and taken in the full position, would have decided to run the risks incidental to confronting her husband with his own past, taken him into her confidence, and told him. With the chance in view that his reason might become unsettled from the chronic torment of constant half-revivals of memory, would it not almost be safer to face the acute convulsion of a sudden éclaircissement? to put happiness to the touch and win or lose it all? Sally could be got out of the way for long enough to allow of a resumption of equilibrium after the shock of the first disclosure and a completely established understanding that she must not be told, come what might. Supposing that she could tell, and he could hear, the whole story of twenty years ago better than when a terrible position warped it for teller and hearer in what had since become to her an intolerable dream. Supposing this done, and each could understand the other, might not the very strangeness of the fact that the small new life that played so large a part in that dream had become Sally since, and was the only means by which Sally could have been established, might not this tell for peace? Might it not even raise the question "'What does a cloud of twenty years ago matter at all?' "'And suggest the answer, "'Nothing. "'For did not Sally come to us of the cloud? "'And could we do without her?' "'But Rosalind's half-insight "'into the patchwork of her husband's perceptions "'warranted no step so decisive. "'Rather, if anything, "'it pointed to a gradual resumption "'of his status quo of a few days ago. "'After all, had he not had— and completely forgotten recurrences like that of the baron and the flywheel? Well, perhaps the last was a shade more vivid than the others, but then see now, had he not forgotten it already to all outward seeming? So that the minds of the two of them worked to a common end silence. Hers in the hope that the effects of the galvanic current, if that did it, would die away and leave him rest for his. His, in the fear that behind the unraised curtain that still hid his early life from himself was hidden what might become a baleful power to breed unrest for hers. But it all depended on his own mastery of himself, except he told it who should know that he was Harrison, and how he felt the shelter of the gold. Who was going to suspect that a man who could command wealth in six figures by disclosing his identity would keep it a secret? and for his wife's sake, too. A pitiful four- or five-figure man might, yes, but hundreds of thousands? Think of it! End of chapter 37